Welcome back. Bill Michaels Show. We continue on top of the hour. Nice day today. Talk a little Brewers baseball, a little Packers football, all kinds of stuff going on right now. Our buddy uh, Kevin Holden from CBS 58 in Milwaukee joining us on the hotline. Kevin, how you doing? Bill, it's all good, man. It's uh, it, we're, we're getting this uh, this warm weather here. I'm going to make an attempt to play softball tonight. If all four limbs <laughs> make it through tonight, it'll be even better. Well, first of all, good luck. Wear a helmet, maybe some body armor, uh, because we know in the past you wouldn't need it. So there you go, first and foremost. Hey, um, you tell me about this uh, Brewers team, because if we were talking earlier about what you would describe the Brewers season thus far as, what adjectives would you use? Uh, see, the consensus seems to be up and down, uh, 500, you know, whatever you want to call it. But that's kind of where, where people are at. Uh, I, there's no consistency to it as of yet. With some of the injuries, it's a shame Garrett Mitchell went down. But give me your thoughts on the Brewers' season thus far. Yeah, I think I think the the entire storyline at this point revolves around what's happened with injuries. The fact that you've had Woodruff and you've had uh, you know as you mentioned Garrett Mitchell is just a I think a big loss because I think he was headed for for great territory there as the Brewers' center fielder. Uh, I you know if, hopefully it's not something where injuries are the definer of the season because it does happen to some teams uh, where you have the best laid plans and you've got good talent and injuries just kind of knock everything sideways. I I hope that's not the case. I've got to say to this point, I'm actually a little pleasantly surprised though across the board. I think the Brewers are a little better creating runs. I think philosophically they changed some things uh, that, you know, based on the new game and the new rules that's helped a ton. Uh, finding consistency in the bullpen is going to be big. And there've been a few guys who've come through back there. So I don't know. I, I, I think the optimist in me is kind of out a little bit with this team. I feel like it could have been worse through 35 games, even though they struggled last week. How much do you like the rule changes and the pace of play and the fact that uh, scoring is up throughout major league baseball? We went through some of the runs per game average for some of the teams that, have not done well in the past, and you look at a team like Texas, you look at Tampa Bay, you look at some of these other teams that are their runs per game are not up just a little. I mean, they're up by a lot. They're up by almost two runs per game more. And and it's interesting that they baseball has found a way to make scoring go up and time of game go down. Like what a great combination! Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball is is kind of looking at itself in the mirror as it has the last couple of years and tried to figure out a way to, to change some things. And it, it's not just about bringing guys to the game. That does help because you, you're talking about different attention spans and that sort of thing. But it's also just about keeping the game, uh, you know, the, the downtime of the game from being an issue. Like I learned it in spring training when we were watching these games. Uh, you know, in the spring training, it's really easy to see the first pitch of an inning and pick up your phone and look at a couple of things and then look up and see the second pitch. Well, we did that in spring training. You know, the first pitch happened, and I I looked down at my phone, and the second pitch is on its way in, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Was that a strike? What happened there? So it's made, uh, as a fan, it's made me get off my phone during innings. I now have that rule when I'm watching a game. I do not get on my phone during an inning. Uh, That's tremendous. (laughs) To be honest, you've, you've knocked out one of the biggest distractions that you could possibly have. And, and I've got a kind of a unique perspective from the games we do on Telemundo. 
and it makes our Telemundo broadcast better. It makes it more crisp, man. You know, Spanish right. sounds better at double the speed. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you talked about Garrett Mitchell and the injury. Um, the other Achilles heel that it's kind of rears its ugly head over the last, I don't know, 12, 15 games has kind of been the bullpen. And the bullpen, we were talking about, you know, because nobody's running away with the division. The Brewers are only a half game back. Nobody in baseball other than Tampa Bay is really running away with a ton of runs at this point. I think, you know, by mid-June, maybe to the end of June, the feeling out period for the rules, your rotation of players, your batting, uh, you know, your batting lineup on the consistent, all of that at that point I think will work itself out. We've always said mid-June anyway, but I think this year it probably rings more true because of the institution of the DH, obviously over in the uh, National League as well. So all of that, I think, is still working itself out. Would you agree? Yeah, it takes time. It really does. You're, you're talking about guys that, that are by nature creatures of habit, especially pitchers. And you're asking those creatures of habit to change their literal daily habit, their habit of the job that they do. And it's, it, you know, it's one thing to, to get it down in a competent way. There's another thing to get it down in a way where you're successful, right? You, you learn to do something, then you learn to do it really well. And it's uh, it, so, yeah, this early part of the season for everybody has this huge adjustment period. That's a, a, a big thing that comes. And the bullpen, going back to what you were saying there, is uh, of special note, I think, in the next, say, quarter of the season to half of the season because – one of the things that I think is, is going to take place as habits have changed, as pace has changed, I do think that injuries could come into play for pitchers who haven't been used to this kind of pace and they've been working at a quicker pace, not those that would get hurt right off the top. Uh, in other words, I'm not talking about Brandon Woodruff, but you know, you've got uh, other guys that, uh, that you've played a quarter of the season and they've been throwing faster, that pace has been quicker. Um, you know, injuries are going to come into play. Depth is going to come into play, and that's where that, that bullpen is going to be big. And I, I have a feeling that the net is going to be cast far and wide if the Brewers are competitive. I have a feeling that if you get into June, July, August, and they're in the race, that Matt Arnold is looking anywhere and everywhere to fill spots and, and change things in that bullpen because, you know, if he retools it and does it well, this team could be right back where it needs to be. When you take a look at that, uh, you know, from the time Garrett Mitchell went down till today and obviously struggling in a 12, 13, 14 game stretch in which they only won three or four ball games, can really a rookie, uh, it, for all intents and purposes, be that deflating? I mean, can you point to, to that loss and say that was one of the key factors in this team going into a bit of a slide? I, because we talked about the hater factor last year and the fact that he was really well-liked and there was an energy about him, and then it deflated the clubhouse. Can we look at the Garrett Mitchell injury and say, man, was that really one of the things that was a key to the to the deflation, to the downslide of the Milwaukee Brewers for a short period of time? I think if this year's Garrett Mitchell was on last year's team, you could absolutely have said it because last year's team had trouble putting up runs, and Garrett Mitchell is exactly the spark plug last year's Brewers had to have. Someone who's you know super young, super quick. I mean, one of the fastest guys in the game, and he was just I, I think he was electric out there in center field. I don't think you can say that about this year's team, and I think the reason is Joey Weimer, who is you know he came around last night with the three-run homer and the single, the RBI single. Uh, and, and plays a, a fine center field. I don't think he's quite the defensive player that Mitchell is out there, but 
Weimer has uh, it's another young guy who's given the Brewers another good option there, you know, in the in the middle of the outfield at a time where it could have been awful. Tyrone Taylor, you know, dealt with injuries through spring training all through the first part of this season, and I mean that that could have been disastrous. They, they there could have been just about anybody. It could have been asking somebody in section one nineteen to play center field. So that I think I think it's a tough injury this year. I think it would have been devastating to last year's team. Do we know when uh, Woodruff is going to come back? Man, that's a real good question. I I don't know if they're comfortable setting timelines. I, I think they would would like to see this thing happen, you know, in this first half of the year. But the kind of injury that you're talking about makes me nervous, man. Like right. he, I think the thing you don't want to see is is him make an attempt to come back in a week or two and then injure himself again and lose the whole season. I think that's they're I think they're hedging their bets on that front. Who right now gives you confidence in that bullpen? Well, I, I mean, you know, obviously Devin Williams is uh, is, is that guy, and uh, he's he's still the you know the base of of what this bullpen is. I mean, without him, you're you're not going to have a ton of luck. I think Craig Council has a lot of confidence right now in Strzelecki, which is interesting because I didn't know if that was going to happen. I you know my. This is the reason why I don't manage a baseball team. <laughs> Sometimes I get reads on guys, and they are absolutely wrong. And I had this feeling that, all right, there's a there's a guy that, that uh, I don't think is going to be trusted in high-leverage situations, and he's being trusted <laughs> in high-leverage situations. So I think those, those parts are good. I, I think Craig Council really was hoping that Hobie Milner would fill a, a, a role in a bigger way uh, in 2023. But, yeah, I mean, you – Started with you know with those two guys with Strzelecki and, uh, and and Devin Williams and you've got two guys at least that can help you you know like they'll, they'll take care of stuff in the back end, fill it out from there man get me Aaron Ashby back get me somebody but uh, yeah there's going to be some some turnover I think. So you know after breaking all of this down I mean you're looking for you know Jesse Winker obviously not having the big power season that we had hoped he would have. Uh, right now in the DH position, uh, you know, you've get, you're getting a little bit of offense here and there from a lot of these guys, but nothing that's been overwhelmingly consistent. And, you know, some of your best players are only hitting 260, so it's not like anybody's really burning up the base paths and burning up the home run totals and such. So offensively, where is this team right now? Do you ha- have – is there a flow and a confidence because uh, we take Garrett Mitchell out of the mix and all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, where are these runs going to come from? Where is this excitement, this enthusiasm going to come from? Or are you, you know, are, are you just saying it's a day-to-day thing i mean you get it from all over the board there's nobody there's because you need three consistent guys to really have a powerhouse offense and right now you just don't have that no that's a that's a very good point you can you can count on at any one point maybe one guy or two guys to be in in that situation you know Contreras was a catcher i think has 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 taken to his role and i think that's the biggest success of the matt arnold era to this point was uh, out of that hater trade eventually came Contreras, who is a good hitting catcher and a guy that can help in the middle of that order. He's a difference maker. Brian Anderson was terrific in the early part of the year, but yeah, you're talking about a guy who can, can you do that over the course of a full season? Probably not to the same level that he did in those first three or four weeks. You know, Adamas is going to be fine. I have faith in Rowdy Tellez. Uh, and then, you know, you just kind of have to, to build it out from there. But I think the other part of it is with the with the rules changes and the differences in, in approach and philosophy and that kind of thing, the Brewers at times this year have created runs instead of sitting back and waiting for them to come to them. And I love the game that we did. It was a Telemundo game a couple weeks back. 
where and and look, I'm not I'm not old 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 school baseball. I understand you know the analytics of bunts are are a whole different situation. But I saw Craig Council use the bunt twice and use it in a, in an effective way. Got a runner over both times. Got that runner in both times. It's not how you're going to play all the time, but if you can do that when you need it, if you can do that when your offense is struggling or sputtering, it's the sort of thing that can help you bust out. And in the game I'm talking about, Joey Weimer scored without the benefit of a hit. I think he was hit by a pitch and then sacrificed, and I can't remember how it went from there, but basically station-to-station ball, and he scored the tying run without a hit. I mean, that's there it is, right? Like you don't have to have somebody with 40 bombs get the run you need without a hit. So I think that plays a role, too. Hey, real quick, uh, before I let you go, a couple things. Uh, first of all, do you have uh, a preference or an insight as to which direction the Bucks are going to go uh, for life after Budenholzer? And it's, it's an interesting discussion because the Bucks at this stage are a unique job, a unique situation for someone to take over because – they're not on the downside of anything. They had a bad series in the playoffs, but they're not on the downside of anything. Like right? none of those players are about to retire. That that group is young still. That group is really good, and they need the kind of coach that's gonna, you know, it doesn't have to worry about development. It's it's time to you know take this this horse that's ready to win and go make it win. So to me, it needs to be a coach who's won, a coach who's done stuff. So Nick Nurse comes to mind right away. Uh, there, there may be a couple of other names out there that, that work. I think Nurse is the one that, uh, you know, that kind of stands at the forefront for me. But it's so divided because there are people who are extremely anti-Nick Nurse or extremely anti-Frank Vogel or whatever. And it's – I don't think there's a slam dunk here uh, for the Bucks. Nurse is my guy to this point. But, yeah, I I don't know, man. It's a, it's a great job, but it's a high-pressure situation from day one, for sure. That, that's my point, is they, they kind of claim, they being, uh, you know, NBA and Bucks insiders, that you've got a, basically a two-year window, and there's the question mark as to whether or not, I believe he's coming back, and I believe Giannis is going to stay here, but there's a question mark as to whether or not Giannis would re- return. So getting people to play with Giannis, changing up that roster a little bit, and bringing in a head coach, it's a ton of pressure. But it, it, the window is right now, correct? Oh, 100%. You, you, they, they've spent so much time, the Bucks have, assembling and putting together a, a core that was good enough to win because for a while it was Giannis and how else does it run, and now there, there are enough parts with the way Brooke Lopez played and the way Middleton has played with healthy. These are basics, right? Like they, they've got – enough to go in next year you know despite what happened against the heat they've got enough to go in next year as a favorite to win the championship or at least one of them and so you just can't uh you can't trust that situation to anybody you can't trust it i don't think to a first-time head coach i don't i think you have the potential for it to fall off the rails if you do that so yeah it's man (laughs) this is a this is a job with a very specific criteria i think so I, i don't know exactly who fills it Kevin, always great, buddy. Be careful tonight. Stay safe. Don't break anything, and we'll talk again soon, okay? That sounds good, Bill. My goal is all four limbs the next time we talk. I want them all attached to my body in the right places. All right, bud. We'll talk to you soon. Best of luck. There you go. Kevin Holden, CBS 58, joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. And uh, wish him the best because he has had more than a few accidents when it comes to uh, the softball field. That's for sure. Sad news out of the world of NCAA uh, basketball, men's college basketball. Denny Crum 
He led uh, the men's basketball team uh, down in Louisville in 1980 and 86, uh, has passed away at the age of 86. He won 675 games with Louisville, and uh, he uh, he passed away today. So uh, the Denny Crum Court, obviously named after him down in Louisville at the Yum Arena. But uh, but that being said, uh, which was the old Papa John's Arena, I think, is in the, unless it still is, but... Uh, Denny Crum passing away today at the age of 86. So uh, let's do this. We're going to step out. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. we got a lot more to get to. Good stuff from our buddy Kevin Holden from CBS 58 hanging out with us a little while. Hey, our friends out there at Buzzard Billy's, they are in uh, on the uh, Pearl Street in La Crosse. And if you're talking about a great place to eat or just a really cool date night, good place to go to the Starlight Lounge, sit back at a 50-style cocktail lounge, get yourself some beverages, great place there as well. Buzzard Billy's has everything, a little bit of a Cajun flair. If you want to go sit at the bar, bring a bunch of friends, hang out at the table, get yourself some good uh, cold beverages, and just enjoy yourself a great place. They even have outdoor seating during the summer months or uh, upstairs at the Starlight Lounge. Either place, you can't go wrong. Pearl Street in La Crosse, Wisconsin, since 1997. They've been getting it done. Thanks to our friends at Buzzard Billy's and the Starlight Lounge for being a big supporter of the Fisher House Motorcycle Ride coming up on Sunday, September 3rd. Start spreading the word if you're a motorcyclist. We need you to be a part of it that weekend again, that Labor Day weekend, Sunday, September 3rd, and we'll have more information on that as well. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Go to the Franklin area, South Milwaukee, Waukesha, Walworth County, down in Racine, Kenosha. Lisa Lee Ortel, if you're looking for a real estate agent uh, in that area and somebody that specializes in condos, or if you're a veteran and you got a VA loan, uh, you could do that as well. She specializes in that, but uh, really, really good people. Uh, Lisa Lee Ortel and Lisa Moves WI at gmail.com if you want to get a hold of her or just, or just call. 414-617-6798, somebody that's going to get the best deal for you, somebody that's going to do the hard work for you, somebody that's going to advise you in the best possible way. Again, 414-617-6798, 414-617-6798. That's Lisa Lee Ortel Real Estate, and uh, get a hold of her. She's good people, really, really good people. 877-867-1670, if you, uh, if you want to give us a shout uh, this was from Arthur. Arthur says, uh, I liked Coach Budenholzer. I thought some of his adjustments at the end of games weren't necessarily the greatest, but I liked his personality, and I liked that he was mainstream all the time. He seemed to have an even keel about him. Do you think he's going to find another job? Yes, I do. I, I think somewhere somebody's going to you know, fire a head coach, and he's going to find himself working again, whether it's next year or real soon, or maybe he finds himself as an analyst. Who knows? But if, if he... Yeah, if he wants to, if he wants to continue to coach, I don't think, uh, I don't think uh, that he is uh, going to to miss out on job opportunities. That's for damn sure, no doubt. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. You want to find us? Feel free. Go ahead and do so. Um, this one, this one's from Aaron, and Aaron says, uh, "Hey guys, the question about the Green Bay Packers: Are they better today than they were at the end of the season?" 
you guys asked yesterday. He says, uh, I believe they're better today. They are younger. They are faster. They have more team speed overall. It's just a matter of getting the veteran experience to be able to guide this team. But I do believe they are a better football team, and they're going to surprise people this season. He also says that I think LaFleur is a better head coach and will show that this year without having to kowtow to Aaron Rodgers. Appreciate the email. That goes back. We were talking about that earlier about, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm not sitting here to throw shade in that direction. It's just it's different when you're a head coach with a young, untested quarterback, and the quarterback's wide-eyed, and he's looking at you, and you say, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how you do it, and this is what we want you to do. And you go out and execute that. And along the way, you get veteran experience to see how things work and how they're not going to work, where, say, the window is going to open up, where the window is not going to open up, when to get rid of the football, you know, that type of stuff. As opposed to somebody who has been there and done that and already has an opinion about how this will or will not work. So because now you're going to the quarterback almost in an advisory role to say, do you like this, do you not like this? Whereas you're going to find out, just like the quarterback is going to find out now, what does and doesn't work, what rhythm there is for the offense. I, that's why when I said earlier in the show, there is a fascination to all of this for, for me anyway, to watch as much of the coaching and the strategizing as it is the actual play on the field. Because I think that there is a heavy reliance upon Joe Barry and a very heavy reliance upon Matt LaFleur. Joe Barry may have the more pressure because he's got more veterans. He's got um, a good group of guys, young guys, team speed, the utilization of the different positions that he has. Whereas, yes, there's a veteran offensive line, but your skill position players, short of your running backs, your tight ends, your wide receivers, that is all vastly uh, inexperienced. So that's why I think there's more pressure on Joe Barry to get the job done than there is strictly on Matt LaFleur. 877-867-1670. Find us. Um, this one is from, uh, who's this from? Let's see here. Uh, this is from Gary. Says, uh, hey, sorry we missed you guys over the weekend at Viroqua. Have you heard anything about the Packers possibly showing interest in Nick Foles? Ben, you're always on the Foles hunt. Have you heard anything about the Green Bay Packers finding Nick Foles? No. And believe it or not, uh, nor should they. <laughs> like I, I want him to retire, Bill. It's like when, it's like when this car you just love and you had great memories in, and then you see someone else try to drive it, and they just keep mm-hmm. driving it into a fence post. Right. But that's how I feel with Nick Foles. <laughs> just like, dude, retire. Great career. Stop. Go do speaking engagements in Philly. Like, yes. I'll pay for it. Yeah, you'll be a. Uh, you're still. He still doesn't have to worry about buying a drink in Philadelphia, right? No, I would expect not. Though he doesn't. I don't think he spends much time there. No, not that I blame him. He's doing other stuff, but it's not right. like he's out there at Sixers games, sitting courtside like Michael Parsons is. Correct. Who, by the way, I, yes. Do we need to have a conversation about that? Sure. Go ahead. All, all Michael Parsons does. He's on the Cowboys. Clearly. All he does is tweet about the Phillies and show up courtside to Sixers games with Tyrese Maxey jerseys on. It's like if, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm kind of like, dude, like read well, the room a little bit. Yeah, if he is um, 
you know, showing up and, uh, you know, uh, hanging out with all the Eagles. You know, that would be one thing. Suppose him and Jalen Hurts are sitting court. Well, then it's a whole different ball of wax, isn't it? Yes, that, that would yeah. excite me, no doubt. That would that would excite <laughs> you, but that would uh, send the Cowboys fans over the edge, I would assume, no doubt. But he's not doing that, at least. You know, I look, if I, if I you know, Aaron Rodgers sitting courtside in New York, okay, you know, I mean, he's part owner of the box, right? He's got well, some he's, money he's not a there. Packer anymore. What if Jordan Love spent all offseason uh, during the times he didn't have to be in the building at every Chicago sporting event? Big Cubs fan, big Bulls fan, and that's all he did. You know what I mean? That's kind of the comparison. Yeah. I'd have to mull that over. I think the uh, yeah, answer is I, we I, shouldn't it, care, it, but deep yeah, down I do. we should care, but we would. Yeah, oh, we I would. do. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We would. <laughs> Again, Cowboys fans, not kind of quiet right now, but, uh, you know, I, I'm sure over on Twitter they're lighting them up. They've been quiet for 30 years. <laughs> they're like cockroaches. You know that? They just... Come out of the darkness every time the team is okay. And then when they're doing okay. Oh, yeah. As soon as it's bad. They don't exist. <laughs> it's unbelievable, Bill. Thirty my whole now, lifetime. I, now I will say this. Our buddy Chris, who listens to the program and he he chimes in quite a bit on the live stream, he's been a Cowboys fan, but he's a Cowboys fan that lives in the uh, the world of a reality. When he, he kind of sees some optimism but knows ultimately kind of has that uh it's going to end badly, and I can see the car crash coming. So I'm going to be, I'm going to live in reality and not get my hopes too high. That's kind of the Cowboys fan that he is. Always hopeful. And if you go to his house, his house is filled with Cowboy stuff. He's got a whole man cave full of Cowboy stuff. But, uh, but yeah, he, he, he kind of, but he also uh, gets tickets to Packers games and goes to Packers games living in the state of Wisconsin. So, but he lives in a reality. Whereas uh, the Cowboy fan you're describing is the one that comes out and jumps on the bandwagon. After the uh, the rest of, of the NFC has gone nuclear and blown up. Oh, so gosh. It's the, the worst are the ones that live in the Philly area because their dads were Cowboys fans. Because their right. dads became Cowboys fans only because the team was good and they wanted a front run. And now they, mm -hmm. they tricked their children into doing it as well. The funny thing is <laughs> they've just been irrelevant entire lives. <laughs> Those people are the worst. Well, here's the other thing, though. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Micah Parsons actually born in, in near Philly or was a Philly yep. fan? Harrisburg. Up? Uh, he was a yeah. Cowboys fan growing up, though. Uh, well, then he's not going to go to a, he's not going to be an Eagles guy, but he, okay, well, he so might he was a be. Cowboys fan. So he was a Cowboys fan, but he grew up in, okay, Harrisburg. So if he grew up, uh, uh, you know, uh, a Flyers fan or, a, you know, going back to the, in the day with, uh, say, Allen Iverson and company. If he grew up, a, you know, oh, he's a not that old, fan. believe it or not. Well, maybe, but yeah. OK, how old is he? What is he born in? He's my age. He's what, 24? Yeah, he's my age. So A.I., okay. I was we were three years Alan old. Iverson, yeah. So Allen Iverson wasn't uh, wasn't your gig, even though Allen Iverson was taking him to a to an NBA finals back in the early 2000s, 2001. No, I was a I, I grew up on Kyle Korver. OK, guys like that. Okay, he was still maybe a 76ers fan, maybe a Phillies fan, because Phillies have won since then. Maybe he grew up a Philly fan. Maybe he was thrilled to see Bryce Harper go to the Phillies, you know? I get it. 
he still maybe uh, got that hometown, you know, roots in him. Now, if he was a Philly fan and he ended up getting born in Palisades, California, and he's going to all the Phillies games and loves the city, then, yeah, you'd probably have an issue with it, right? It just like you said, if Jordan Love, if he was born in, you know, uh, down somewhere in Illinois, Evanston, Illinois, and he grew up a Cubs fan and grew up, uh, you know, a Bulls fan and such and lived under the lore of Michael Jordan, what have you, then you kind of understand it, you know? But, yeah, if he's just down there all of a sudden, that's another. That's a whole other story. Then you take offense to it. I'd get it. That makes more sense to me. But, yeah, we care. At least I care. Um, yeah, Brandon says the only real Cowboys fans are the ones who love the cheerleaders. There you go. <laughs> gotcha. That, that's, that's one of the good things about the Cowboys. I'll, I'll give you that, no doubt. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. game tonight maybe before and after or during or what have you uh, our friends at Sennies they can help you out they can get you there uh, head down early get yourself something to eat get yourself beverage good to go then take the shuttle on over to American Family Field and then back after the fact or if you're just looking to go and watch the game out tonight always uh, running some great specials great food down there also Stenny's second and national Walker's Point Milwaukee's best sports bar again that is Stenny's second and national down at Walker's Point Always great. And as they say, come on in. You should be here. You should be here. Uh, Mark says, uh, let's see here. Uh, This one is from Mark who says, uh, the Packers aren't going to do much this year. It's the year after that I'm looking for a big jump. With all the youth youth that this team has, it's going to take a little while to put it all together. Thoughts? Um, Usually between year one and two, two and three is when you start to take your jump. So I would agree with you there. You're kind of hoping for a big jump out of Christian Watson. You're hoping for a good jump out of Romeo Dobbs. You're hoping for a good jump out of um, uh, out of uh, the defenders of Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt. So, yeah, I would agree with that. You're also looking what you're looking for, if indeed he can come back and play. Uh, what you're also looking for is a big jump out of a guy like, say, Eric Stokes. Because you're hoping that Stokes can make the next jump as well. So, you know, if he comes back and plays and is good alongside uh, a guy like Jair, if you get Devontae Wyatt and you get Quay Walker to really start kind of solidifying the run game against the run, and if Quay Walker pans out and, you know, gives you everything that you think he's going to be, defensively speaking, you're pretty solid, you know. Uh, I don't know what to expect maybe rotationally out of Luke Vaness before it's all said and done. Um, you know, you you got to see what you're going to get in Rashawn Gary when he comes back. But, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, you know, Darnell Savage, too, who did not play well last year. The year before, he played pretty well. So last year, you hope that, you know, whether it was either misuse or something going on behind the scenes, you hope that Darnell Savage comes back. So there's, there's a lot of question marks about the young guys on this team. Um, but, 
you know, don't forget you're relying on two pass catchers out of the tight end position, which you really haven't even got gotten that deep into. And then some additional um, some additional talent in the wide receiving core. But I think also, again, I don't know what to make right now of Jordan Love. But you're right. If, it, if indeed it starts to come of age a little bit this year and then you see the jump, then, yeah, if, if Jordan Love is a real deal, then there's going to be a ton of optimism going into next season. I 100% agree with that. 877-867-1670. Do you, Ben, do you expect much contribution out of, say, a guy like Jaden Reed, out of the, the two new tight ends that the Packers picked up? Is, does there have to be? Because to me, you have to at least get uh, – I'm not saying you have to have, like, you know, rookie of the year, you know, compensation for the draft choices. But what you have to have is the ability to at least incorporate them on the regular um, to be able to have this team offensively move. Yeah, you, you know do. I mean? Well, snap-wise, those are your tight ends, plus DeGuara here and there, if you want to go specialty blocking or whatever. Right. So snap-wise, definitely, and then naturally they'll be involved. I mean, it's a different slate when it comes to rookie receivers than we've seen. Like, this isn't the same setting with Aaron Rodgers, where if you draft a guy, you could pretty much bank on the fact he's not going to do much his first year. Like, this is a year where love... And we've seen, by the way, I, I will note, Josiah DeGuara and Love have a great connection. So I wouldn't write him off just yet. But this is the year where Love builds the connection and finds out who his guys are. So I don't know the exact comparison to when Roger started and how that worked. But I would expect pretty big contributions. Definitely from the tight ends. Reed, if he's good. Like the jury still could be out yeah. on whether he's, he's that good. Because if he's not, then he just won't play as much because they would put someone else in. Yeah, I, uh, I'm. There's three areas that I think I'm questioning. One is going to be obviously punt returns and whether or not Jaden Reed's going to be able to handle that because you do want somebody who can at least give you a little bit of a threat. Keyshawn Nixon last year was fantastic in the return game and flipped the field more often than not. So there's some excitement there. The kicking game is obviously going to be points on the board if drives stall, and then the youth on offense. The youth and I'm including Jordan Love on this. The youth on offense are, you know, between the wide receivers, the tight ends, and Jordan Love. You hope that they're all together. They're all trying to learn one another. They're all really doing all the things that we wanted Aaron Rodgers to do with the young guys last year, that that is all happening right now. You would assume that it is, that there's a lot of that that camaraderie building going on right now, whether or not it's going to translate. It doesn't hurt anything. Whether or not it translates, we'll see. But those three areas, I think you're circling and you're going, okay, these three are brand new to us. What I'm also hoping for is what I had mentioned before is Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt take that jump, that Stokes comes back from the ankle injury and is able to play the way he played year one, that you, you look at Rashawn Gary and Luke Vaness and he's able to just kind of fill in. Luke Vaness does not have to be a force. You just want him to be able to fill in and have a rotation with Rashawn Gary. And then you're really relying on Devondre Campbell and Preston Smith to kind of have the years they had two years ago, not last year, but two years ago. If that happens, then your optimism should reign supreme because I, at that point in time, not only do I think that this team could be a playoff team, I think they could win the division because I still think, you know, I, as much as I sit here today and I say, look, it's Minnesota. Until somebody else takes the division crown from them, it's Minnesota. I still think they're probably one of the – they're the best team. But the gap between the top and the bottom – has really slimmed, and the gap between first, second, and third in this division is really slim. 
And I, I you know, you might even want to kind of hedge your bets and say that Detroit's probably the more all-round team right now in this division than even even possibly Minnesota. But anyway, uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Hey, our friends over there at Quick Trip, they, they got it going on for the summer. And this is the reason why. If you want to stop in and get yourself anything from a hot, you know, a hot meal, the take-home meals are fantastic. Uh, yesterday stopped in for a breakfast sandwich, which are great. They always have the specials going on, whether it's a fish fry Friday or whether it's the rib sandwiches or the cheeseburgers, always something great there. But. If you pick up a pair of iGox, the uh, sunglasses, because, you know, sun's out and out, summertime, you want to look cool, even the uh, neon ones, you can pick them up and use your quick rewards card, and then you're automatically entered to win not one, but possibly two personal watercraft, two Sea-Doo's. They got them going on right now over there at Quick Trip. And at Quick Trip, you walk in, you use uh, your quick rewards card, you pick them up, and uh, you could be cruising on the water, compliments of your favorite place to go. Two, Sea-Doo Spark Personal Watercrafts. The sweepstakes going on right now through the end of the month. And uh, you purchase any iGogs eyewear, including the neons, with your quick rewards card, you're automatically entered. It's that simple. Check out our friends at Quick Trip. And don't forget, if you don't have it, get a quick rewards card. Download the app. You can watch all your points and stuff accumulate. You can move stuff around. You can get coupons. That's our friends over there at Quick Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Our friends at Kane and Kane Jewelers, whether it's gifts, engagement rings, Necklaces, earrings, anniversary rings, whatever it happens to be. Our friends at Kane and Kane Jewelers in West Bend, ready to rock your world. Go to Kane, K O E H N, KaneJewelry.com. That is KaneJewelry.com. See for yourself everything that they have to offer. And don't forget, Andy's got a hell of a podcast called the Buy Like a Guy podcast. And it's not just jewelry, so don't let the name fool you. But uh, he does a really good job with that also. But K O E H N, KaneJewelry.com. That is KaneJewelry. So um, there is an update to the story that uh, that was. Now, uh, Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission told the Action Network there's no evidence of suspicious wagering uh, or game fixing involving any Iowa or Iowa State sporting event. The schools are investigating several student-athletes for illicit sports betting, but uh, they said that uh, nothing is going on in Iowa. So nothing to see here, Ben. Not like Alabama where there was uh, the obvious something was going on when the head coach is contacting a guy at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati where he's placing bets on the uh, Alabama-LSU baseball game. There was some reports that maybe something was going on in Iowa, but uh, as of right now, there's nothing, right? No, it appears that the kids were betting, presumably because the football teams are not playing, presumably on right. other sports, which brings into a moral brings in a moral question of whether you think that should be allowed, which is different Correct. than than what betting has to do. I, I heard a good argument yesterday that, honestly, all this stuff coming out and the Bama guy getting in trouble is actually a good thing because it's proving that the, the things in place to prevent betting from tarnishing yes. the reputation of the leagues and games, it's proving that that's working. The, uh, the, the one thing, and I, I've had a friend of mine who – runs betting sites he said because i said well how do you catch them 
And he said, there's always the flux. He said, you're looking for the flux. And I said, what do you mean? He said, somebody that's going to give a large amount of cash into one specific thing. He said, now you get that with, you know, certain bets when it comes to like wagering on fights. You always get the big money at the end. Same thing with Super Bowl and such. But when you get suspicious betting on innocuous games and you get the large flux, the big amount coming from one or two people, maybe three, uh, but a small group of people betting a ton of money on one on one outcome, that's what they're kind of looking for. So that's that's kind of where some of uh, what happened at Great American Ballpark kind of made the mistake. Apparently it was a large sum of money that was going down on uh, Alabama to lose betting on LSU to win that ball game. Apparently it was because the pitcher was going to get scratched. That okay. Then the rumblings I, I, I have heard, are that, or from what I've read, which I don't know if if it has been confirmed, but what people think happened was the coach knew he was going to scratch the pitcher, calls his boy at the Reds game, and he puts the bet down. Okay, so there you go. That was uh, that was it. Because other than that, there hasn't been a whole lot of discussion regarding all of that, other than just. You know, if you get a large amount of cash or uh, late bets that come in on something, and then it raises a little bit of suspicion. But yeah, you're right. The the the, the gambling side of things, it works when it comes to uh, the observation of betting. I'm sure there's other things that get through the system. Don't get me wrong, but uh, like coming out of Iowa, I don't know what tipped them off to something going on. You know what I mean? Was there something specific out of that story that uh, we didn't see? Not that I've been able to track down. I I don't know. I mean, they said video surveillance, but there has to have been an action that had led them to look at said video surveillance. So probably it's probably just a large wager on a college baseball game that no one cares about, and then happened to immediately precede the news that the pitcher was out. I don't know. Hmm. Didn't uh, didn't know what the details were, but yeah, it's uh. It kind of, you're right, it kind of does prove the fact that uh, they can monitor and they can find things and, you know, discrepancies, I guess, is the best way to put it, to where it'll at least raise an eyebrow. 877-867-1670. Let's get uh, back to the phone lines real quick because I know he's been on hold a long time. Let's go to our buddy L listening to us in Philadelphia. L, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good. How about, how about you guys? We're doing great today, pal. What's up? So, it's funny that you were talking about Michael Parsons and, um, him being uh, in Philadelphia doing a bunch of things and going to a bunch of different sporting events. I just saw a picture today. You were talking about uh, him being with Eagles. He was with Brian Westbrook in the picture. So was he really? I don't know what this dude. Yeah, I don't know what this dude is doing. He's trying to pander like to come to the Eagles or what? I don't know because I know that um, he reacted kind of crazy once they started the draft or whatever. Like he walked out. They were drafting other people from Georgia and like he was upset. But I think dude really wants to be here, man. But. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. I just had a couple questions about the Packers, though. Hang, um, L, hang in there. I, Let me get you right after the top of the hour. Just hang on, and I'll get you here in a minute and a half. Stay right where you're at. We'll come right back. Uh, we got our buddy L in Philadelphia. We got Austin in Watertown, Joe and Potosi. Hang in there. I'll get to everybody. We'll start taking calls right away. I got to let L get his uh, his say in. He's a he's kind of a longtime Packer faithful caller. Stay tuned. We still got another hour of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this.